Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's episode of the Gym Owners Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Stone. Over in the middle there, we got John Fairbanks. How you doing, John? I'm doing excellent. And today we got special guest DJ Murakami at Strong Camps on Instagram. How you doing, DJ? Doing great. Guys, we brought DJ in. DJ is a personal trainer, fitness enthusiast, all-around bearded, regular dude. I don't know. Does that check all the boxes? Trainer. Yeah. Trainer. It's an old-fashioned not a movement coach not a uh yeah yeah it's a trainer <laughs> isn't it kind of is it let's go right in with that isn't that yeah. a nice let's the the thing that you differentiated right there is as everybody as we all get smarter or learn more in our coaching journey just on the coaching side of things um we want to start to attach new titles so that people don't just think you're a personal trainer or something mm-hmm. and like the fuck is wrong with being a personal trainer one and two like just so people know for those of you out there um being like, like seeking a trainer is what the client base in your area that's the terminology that they use this is why i don't like it when people say well we don't do we don't work with people's diets we do you know intuitive nutritional blah 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 it's like yeah but they think they need to fix their diet because they have a normal brain and they're not like weird with fitnessism, you know what I mean? So let's talk about that right away. We'll go right into this. Like, you embrace that. What is that like? And what is that like in the face of a lot of the other trends that are going on in fitness, generally coaching? Yeah, it feels like it's it's the language, right? When you, I think social media is a big part of that because when you surround yourself with this elite class of fitness professionals. You begin to like niche up, like what's your expertise? You're, you're pretty much, I feel like you're impressing your peers more than the customer base, which doesn't really care about any of that, right? Now, I would say alienating your customer base at the, yeah. at the expense of attempting to impress your peers, who will never give you a dollar. <laughs> That's the best no. part. Your peers will never pay you. I mean, it's very difficult to, you know, you're not getting clients from some other coach from Timbuktu. Right. I, I mean, I, I empathize because that's how social media is created is, is those likes are like, okay, I'm doing, I'm following that, yeah. but you can't take likes to the bank. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's really just status and ego in this realm of people who aren't going to pay you. Like that's not the ones you want to impress. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it, it ends up being this fitness version of keeping up with the Joneses. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like I buy a nice car and the neighbor guy's got a nice car. And I don't know if you guys have ever even dipped your toes into the like lawn wars shit. Like Midwest folks, dude, us dudes mow the shit out of some grass here, right? In the summertime. <laughs> and there's always some guy with a lawn that's insane. You know what I mean? It just doesn't make any sense. Same thing. You drive a nice car. You cannot get into that battle of really like feeling like you're keeping up with somebody else because there's always somebody with more clout more money, more disposable income, more time, or even worse in the fitness space, especially when it comes to chasing clout, likes, audience, whatever. Um, What you're seeing from them, oftentimes those people aren't doing what you're doing to make a living. And that's the toughest Mm -hmm. part is I see a gym trying to spout off like their movement specialists and wizards and geniuses and gurus and shit. And it's like, hey, man, like people in your area are the people that need to be coming to you and they're chasing they're mimicking something that has no relevance to their own situation and when you wonder why your gym doesn't work or why you're not making enough money or you're struggling to get clients it's like 
well, get your head out of some guru's ass mm -hmm. and get the fucking work on the people that are standing in front of you here. It should, it, it should be really simple. And I think that there's, I work with a gym owner who one of the things he mentioned about hiring personal trainers and bringing them in, as he said, is exact words were, there's a lot of fucking hubris that comes with personal trainers, more so than you would think. <laughs> You'd think there's a lot of like good meaning people, but so many of them are part-timers that it's just like, I'm a fit person. I have another thing, but I'm like a fucking better than all these other people when I get into the gym and they end up with this narrow part of their lives, like really inflating that stuff. And, um, but a lot of these people, when it comes to fitness influencers, if you will, especially on the coaching side, they don't make any money selling, like actually helping people or training or coaching people, almost none. And very few that I know have ever run a profitable business, let alone successful. Most of them never paid the fucking light bill in their own place. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of them living off of daddy's money, mommy's money, wife's money, husband's money. So if you're trying to mimic what they're doing, like those, you're going to get the same outcomes they have, except you don't have somebody else floating your bank. You know, it's, it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, Tyler, you and I have ran into issues too, where we've seen even gyms like gym owners yes, that have kind of, they've established themselves as a major player in their corner or their niche of the market. And yet the majority of their money doesn't actually come from anything they do with their brick and mortar. Yes. And it ended up being all this hybrid shit, all this stuff that was online or all this stuff that was like uber hyper specific to a very specific, like coached group of athletic type individuals. And yet everyone then establishes like their brick and mortar or the business as the standard where it's like, yeah. oh, wait a second. Well, no, I'll, I'll, I'll say some names as a good example. Cause I think when people chase a facility or things like this or social right. media presence or brand building, they need to understand that the physical location is secondary mayhem Invictus. A lot of those brands around CrossFit, like those facilities might be profitable, even though there's been a little bit of retraction, right? Mm -hmm. But the income that's coming from those places is national and global. You know, it's, it's other things than just it, like their bread is not buttered on people coming in and getting coached. While that may keep the lights on it, if, if those of you that don't have the audience, the clout, the following, whatever it is, and you start mimicking that kind of stuff, that, that style of training, that type of communication, it's just you end up playing the wrong game. And, and I think people chase the wrong outcomes and That's outcomes it. that don't exist for the inputs that they put in. So I want to talk to you, though, about like you do a really good job, I think avoiding the dogma i'm getting how long have you been coaching hmm oh boy uh over 15 years yeah. now yeah yeah and that's about the line i think 12 15 years it takes 10 years to really get good at anything everything else mm -hmm. you're just better than you were the year before but 12 or so i think you can get to the point where like you can speak pretty clearly on the ins and outs of a lot of things with this line of business line of work a lot of trends come and go. You get a lot of people in, in the fitness market that come in and say they want different things kind of because of what the uh, social media trends are. Across it became very popular. People want functional fitness stuff. But a lot of that stuff still misses the overall general fitness population. You know what I mean? I knew so many people when I opened a CrossFit gym at CrossFit's peak, right, at the peak popularity mm -hmm. of the national brand recognition. Um, but so many people were like, I don't want to do that. That's stupid. Like the vast majority still didn't give a shit, right? That It was just still pretty narrow um, in their perception of the fitness world. 
how do you avoid a lot of these things that pull you one way to another and just kind of be yourself and work with you and a client in there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I made all the mistakes. I think at every trend, because I hopped on all the trends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. Um, me too. Yeah, I, I thought I was I thought I was doing the right thing. <laughs> I thought I found the way. Um, and I almost think in the end, it, the modality of your training doesn't really matter. Like if you oh. get people moving, get people stronger, it's going to work. I think the thing that took me a long, long time to figure out was the relationship with the human being in front of me. So things like listening skills, um, personality, uh, you know, the stuff you guys talk about, the systems in place of, you know, what I'm offering, what I'm sell selling, how do I communicate? Mm -hmm. that's something that flew over my head. And I think that's the, the basic, like, can you form a relationship with this person in front of you? And at the end of the day, if you, you know, I kind of look at what I'm giving someone is an experience. And if that's a good experience, you're already ahead of, I think a lot of people who are pushing the, their KPI, is not so much the client's <laughs> goals. It's like yeah. my stuff I learned at this workshop. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think, and I believe that that. And and the thing is, I saw it because we did a lot of the those. We did a lot of those workshops and seminars. Yes, we did. And what I found is people that didn't take these things as tools. You go to continuing education to add things to your toolkit, to give yourself a new perspective on things, and then to go work with your people on their goals. And the amount of times, man, we see people come back. Oh, we had a guy through locked all the barbells up, lost half his members. So we're never doing barbells again. So what the fuck are you doing, dude? So now all those people now hate what you do with them just because, you know, just because you decided to do something differently And that. And it's a thing we saw a lot where people then put modality first and dogma first. And you're like, you would see these guys practically tank their own business. And it's like, you know, there's a way to just be like a fucking dude about this stuff. And that's what I sort of that's one of those things that started getting frustrating is as you spend a lot of time with people that are focusing on educating themselves and developing their mm -hmm. skill set and their tool set, their knowledge base, which is important. Like it's the most commendable thing. But guys, I've known I've, done, I've known a lot of people in a lot of different trades, a lot of different lines of work. And there is a point where you can get your fucking nose out of the book, please. And go work with some people. You know what I mean? You're going to be an electrician at some point. Yes, to maintain your license. You know, you got to do a little continuing education from time to time. But if you uproot your bullshit after every fucking little thing you go see, mm -hmm. you're out of your mind. And your business mm -hmm. will sink. Go then. Wire some goddamn houses. Get better. Get faster. Get more efficient. Get better at the things you do. Deliver your service. Make yeah. it less about concept. So much concept and dogma at the expense of client results especially. Uh, client experience even worse you're giving somebody something they don't want to do the amount of times i've heard people are like i oh, just you know i'd like to do something other than fucking sandbags you know when you get into like functional training it's like well we're the most functional it's like okay you know what i went to, you know what i did when i went to the gym just now i, had, I it was quick so i was like i don't want to think about this i went through all eight side of the upper body machines there's eight upper body machines Okay. I did five sets of 10 of every machine. I just moved down the fucking line because it was fun and I got the fuck out of there. Mm -hmm. I don't know what training protocol that's all about. Mm -hmm. I got a pump. I didn't have to think. I moved left to right. It was easy. It was fast. I was done. There's nothing wrong with that. 
Mm-hmm. But if I had to go, well, this is like the least functional thing that you could have done today. Fuck off. It's crazy. But that level of keeping your clients first and client results, results is the thing. And what yeah. I find, and I think you see it too, man, is people end up using these modalities as a way to convince people to rearrange their goals, move the goalpost. Because a lot of these coaches, the ones with the biggest fucking brains that know all this stuff, couldn't get somebody to lose 20 pounds to save their fucking life. And the fact is, if you get in the business of getting people to lose their first 20 pounds, and then their next and their next, you can really, really make a tremendous impact on all the other things, movement quality, pain mitigation, overall health, your community's health, the health of the families around you. Like, this is how you really have a big impact. And instead, people get their heads so far up each other's ass. And they just start talking about concepts. It's like, all right, you fucking dorks. Like this guy had a goal and now you told him it's about something else. And he's yeah. going to tell you to fuck off or he's going to think you're weird. And that's the biggest thing is you end up like the more you learn, the more you, the, the more you learn, it's okay. But the more you put what you know first, the more you just sound like a really pretentious dork. Or even worse, they believe you. Oh, yes. It's, yes. Like, it's like the dark side, you know, you... <laughs> Because what a lot of these systems, they give you an assessment and the assessment, you give anyone a FMS, like a movement screen, Mm -hmm. something they haven't done before. They're not going to score very well. And then you are able to pathologize them and say, you are broken. There's something wrong with you. Now I have the solution uh, and value to fix you and make you better. And this is something they didn't, no one cares about 20 degrees of internal rotation of their shoulder. By the way, it's all, and if you ask them when they start though, before they start, I want to lose some weight, man. I know it's all, I want to lose some weight. I want to look better. It really is very, it's either that or people who are really at their wits end and it's a rehab case. You know what I mean? But the fact is very often you got to get more regular fitness results before people are going to come to you for fucking rehab. Cause when they think pain, they don't think some fucking dipshit with abs down the street who talks weird. You know what I mean? Like, like you're last on the list of people when my shoulder has been hurting for a long time. Like but you but just are. But don't you think if, if you would just be willing to go a layer deeper, it's like it's my shoulder hurts or my knee hurts or fill in the blank. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's what they're saying right now. But what they're saying, it's like if you'd be like, all right, what is that have what has that been keeping you from doing? And when you can go just like one or two questions deeper, and you don't just immediately become like, oh, I'm the I'm the shoulder fucking dork, yeah, and I do yeah. all the shoulder shit. <laughs> so as soon as they say the shoulder fucking thing, you're like, yes, shoulders. I can talk all about mm-hmm. the shoulder thing. We'll fix it. But at the end of the day, like, no, my shoulder's been hurting. It's like, oh well, well, what has that been keeping you doing? Well, I haven't been able to, to exercise the way I used to, and then I, I've, I've gained a few pounds, or I or I don't like what I, like it's it's like if you can go a couple layers deeper, people really do just get they are quite simple of whatever and- it is they want. And when you get it like the, like you described the movement screening and the like the, you use the term pathologize and I think that's really important yeah. because as a coach who works with who's worked with people over a long enough timeline eventually people do have injuries things like that whether it's with you or in life or whatever and very often when you see people who are not fully committed yet to fitness to working out to training and they have like a little back thing and the moment a doctor gives them a diagnosis you have degenerative disc disease, which is not a real thing. Just so you know, my face gets old. It's not called degenerative face disease. It's just, that's what it, it's what things that get used happen. They get worn down. It's not a fucking disease. You're not going to die from it. It's, it's whatever. 
but they get that stamp and they go, oh, thank God, I can unload all my responsibilities onto this thing. And now I can just waste away into Jabba the Hutt land fucking physically forever because I've been assigned this condition with which I can fucking give it all, give all the responsibility to. And I think that coaches try to do that. Manipulative coaches try to do that in a lot of these assessment processes. Someone joins a gym that maybe they don't even tell you this when they start, right? But when someone takes a first step towards fitness, I say this all the time. There's plenty of reasons that people train, but I don't know what America you're living in. DJ, you do live in what I would describe as a probably fitter place population wise than I do. But I can tell you this, the difference to be made in your community is in like weight loss and getting people fit and just losing fat and building some muscle and then getting people moving more and enjoying it. And, and when somebody comes in and takes a step towards that, and you just redirect it because you set you set a new goal for them. The fact is, if they had to choose, do I get to like get better internal rotation? Can I hinge a little bit better? This is like, or 20 pounds off the body. They would fucking trade 20 pounds off the body all of the time. And even worse, when we get into the fucking mental health guru bullshit that people start pulling with a lot of this, there's nothing I hate less than hate more than fucking mindset training and fucking all this stuff. It's like, you know, if they just got more awesome, people feel better. And they always put the, I don't like it when people put the cart in front of the horse with a lot of this stuff is because you can very much have a tremendous impact on somebody's mental health by making them feel better and make them feel more capable and make them proud of the way they look and proud of the things they accomplished. Instead of like, what are you crafting workouts to make sure that they fucking connect with their dad? Or whatever the fucking bullshit is that this stuff is going on. I hate it. I it's it's anti-training is what it really is. It really is. And it's and it's a it's a cancer for good coaches who have a passion for knowledge because they get in and it's a fucking mind virus. It just shoes up their brain and goes, Oh no, this is the thing. This is important. Mental health is a thing. It's like, listen, if everybody who was fat as shit got their shit together and got in shape and could move and accomplish things, those the rate of depression and anxiety in those people, if they eat better and all this stuff, dramatically improved. Because those are side effects. And we do the same thing that the pharmaceutical industry does when we chase these things directly. We're just treating symptoms, bitch. That's all we're doing. You're not fucking fixing anything. You're just treating symptoms. You're just allowing a person a fucking emotional outlet. Well, let's actually fix the problem here by get them in shape, get them feeling accomplished. Like, let's go. And I just, I think the more attention you give a thing, the more that thing will grow, right? If I focus on just how my wife is just a little crabby from time to time, I promise. So the more mental attention I give that, the more that's going to grow in my world. Versus if I just appreciate the good things that she does, all those things, I'm going to appreciate more of that. I'm going to notice more of that in my world. And I think if you make more of your training, be like, hey, all this other stuff that's going on, these are side effects. These are roadblocks along the way to us getting you the real reason that you came in here for, the results. That's it, man. Take a fat man and make him fucking jack, dude. That's that that man will move the world for you. It's crazy. It's like the greatest gift you could give somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it goes from trainer to coach to uh, therapist to life uh, coach and guru. Yeah, That's kind of the the trend. Yeah, and and the, and the problem is, I don't think that um, I don't think that a 
what's the word other than the guru thing i i believe there's a place for some partial crossover and some because people do lean on you for some of those things right you are with someone for long enough somebody unloads some stuff on you, you got to be there for them conversationally and things like that because you are with these people for a long time yeah. but that ain't your job description well that's yeah, not what they want you for you know like you're saying i i think being just a standard personal trainer is one of the most important jobs yeah. there is your your all those things you want to do like you can do through their what they want their goals like yeah. you can improve that internal rotation by helping them do what they want to do you are gonna yeah. talk to them about what's going on emotionally in their life like you're touching them on a more than their general physician more than their therapist yeah. you're a point of contact and yeah i think you make a big impact on someone's life by doing yeah. the very thing that's helping them get to their goals like you're talking about the basic yeah. stuff your tools are not your entire training and i think that's the thing it's like you these are all of these things are tools and if you're like wrapped up in something that you're kind of working on and fleshing out absolutely experiment on this stuff with your new people but don't make it your whole thing. And that's my thing. I'll, I've got some stuff where there'll be an exercise or a machine that I think is dumb that I can't figure out before I tell them to throw it in the garbage. I go, I'm gonna try this myself. I'm gonna put a bunch of my clients to try this. and be like, hey, I think this machine is fucking stupid. Let's see if we can figure this out. We'll throw five minutes at it at the end of sessions. Those are fun little learning experiences, but it doesn't be, mean a thing where it's like, I have to go, this is trash. We're never using this stuff. Or I make my whole life about these things. It's, all of these things are things that we're just trying to throw at the problem. I will use sandbags, machines. I've I've had people who didn't touch a bar who then all of a sudden will like want to learn to deadlift. I'm like, mm -hmm. fuck yeah. I wouldn't put it on. I wouldn't put learning to deadlift heavy as a high list of priorities in like my coaching philosophy. Because I do kind of believe in the it's high risk. And for a lot of people, I can teach them the hinge. I can get them to work out. I don't need to risk hurting them over some over some lift they don't give a shit about. But the moment someone asks, I'm like, dude, yeah, let's go. <laughs> like, that sounds like fun. Oh, yeah. yeah, but like, give them what they want, man. This is, I I just, I think that, and I think that's the thing that you've done pretty well. And you, what is the name of your project with your, uh, one of the other coaches, does it Move Boys? You still running that project? Yeah. So yeah. you guys just talk project, to project, yeah. <laughs> a project is a thing. It's just, a, it's a Move Boys, M-O-V-E-B-O-I-S is on Instagram, but it's fucking hilarious because it is. It's just as soon as the Knees Over Toes guy came out, everybody who followed his stuff for, let's be honest, 90 days, okay? There's just a blitz of 90 days. I'm sure he's been doing this for a very long time and yeah. probably put in his 10 years, And but it came popular overnight. So everybody who jumped on his jock after three weeks and made like all of their physical training philosophy about that stuff is a fucking poser in my opinion. And that doesn't mean the stuff that he's doing is wrong. It just means now I fucking hate you dorks. <laughs> I just fucking hate it. And now everybody's doing fucking Nordic curls, which by the way, I do too. I have my clients do them a lot. I love them. I think they're really effective, mm -hmm. but to act like I got some new gold. And I think when people see a new thing, they try to like make it all about them because now it is their philosophy and they're on board with this new thing. And it's like, listen, bitch. That, and what is, what was the thing you guys were ripping? You know, like heels over metatarsals. And there was just this long, you continued to convolute the fucking boundaries of the thing. I just think that, that, that it was really, really, really funny. So I, I, you guys do the most like 
anti-fitness dogma stuff that I've seen out there. And I think it's the world needs that type of humor in the fitness industry so that those of us who are just regular people in here can go, you're right. That type of stuff is pretty lame. Let's just zoom out here and just be dudes about this stuff. But what's so fucking important is that while that becomes a joke and becomes a project, it's not now all you do with your clients as a personal trainer. Correct. Like you're still a fucking personal trainer first. And I think that that's like, it's while that becomes no matter what you are, like you, you kind of listed off all the things that you, you are right. All those roles that all those hats that you can wear as a personal trainer, but first and foremost, you're a personal trainer and the person that you're working with, it's about them. It's about what they want to do. And I am interested in 15 years in the industry and you're still, and, and please fully appreciate like the air quotes that go with this. <laughs> you're still just a personal trainer, 15 years. Like why, why not, why not get at, like, why not go do something more? Cause I think there's so many people that are going to listen, that listen to our podcast that are very early in their journey. They're, they're thinking about it or they're getting started with coaching and, and there may be a future vision or goal of theirs to own a gym. And yet we're talking to you and it's 15 years and you're still just a personal trainer. Like, you know, quote unquote, I would be, I would be curious as your thought process kind of through that and especially over the last 15 years. Yeah, that's owning a gym is something that I would not want to do personally i've seen i've seen most people actually i was going to say i've seen some people do it well but it's very hard (laughs) i wouldn't put that on myself i mean the liability the overhead i'm in a great spot now because i i ran out of place i train my people there it feels like i have a gym your space you rent you rent time or space at somebody else's place yeah yeah hell yeah um yeah, and I and I know that if I do that, I'm no longer a personal trainer, which is what I love to do. I'm a gym owner. Yeah. And that comes with a lot of responsibility and different things I'll have to put my work towards. So yeah, I I've just I'm happy doing this. I actually one of my dreams was to be like an online coach and yeah. trainer, which which I do a lot of. That's a big part of my business. But there was a time before the pandemic where I wasn't training anyone in person anymore. It was all online coaching, uh, online education. And I was not happy (laughs) doing that. Uh, Funny enough, during the pandemic is when I started training people live and bring them in the gym again. And I was like- Spreading disease, brother, I like it. Oh yeah. became the the hub for uh yeah. contact but super spreader my man <laughs> you know that's when i re- also realized you know we're talking about move boys that is us making fun of ourselves us. in stuff we got yes. nerded out yes. about totally. and when i was doing the online training i became pretty disconnected from reality and when i started having the gen pop come in i got you know i got grounded really quick and that's something I never want to lose. How many times in this, especially as you go back to coaching, and you mentioned general population, after being really immersed in the 
you mentioned like online coaching, but you really were doing also a lot of like on the knowledge based side of things, not just training people who are training, but like information. I was training trainers and training. Tra yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So this becomes an informational transaction very often. Mm -hmm. And if there's one thing I've learned about training trainers and coaches is by the time they're at that point, a lot of them are like not fucking working hard and they're kind of just being distracted from their need to just worry about their business, worry about their clients and just work hard in the gym. Just go do something. I don't even care that it be terribly productive, just work. And I find very often people use knowledge seeking as a distraction from the things that they're trying to do. It becomes your mistress. And it's like, all right, well, this is going to take away from everything else. Like, trust me, you have all the tools you need to help these fucking people but you're going to just go this way, sequester yourself away in wisdom land. And it, but when you first got back to coaching people, I want to tell you a quick story because I want to see if this is something you can relate to. When I got into like learning higher concepts and things like this, I did what everybody does. I tried to rush it into my, into implementation within my gym. Just like everybody made it too fast, too much, too much about shit that people didn't give a fuck about, which is like very embarrassing in hindsight, right? But everybody's been there. You've done it. Everybody's done it. And when you do that, there's a moment. And this moment when I'm telling somebody a thing about the thing that I need them to do or that I need them to know, these fucking eyes just glaze over. And it's the same moment I would get when I would explain to a customer when I was in their house as a service technician about why their air conditioner isn't running. So, well, this pressure is wrong here and the superheat's not here and the capacitor's bad here. Because of this, this is this. And, and you watch them just go... I'm paying you to know those things, not to fucking tell me those things. Mm -hmm. Your car mechanic doesn't tell you fuck all about how anything works. It goes, we're going to get you up and running. What do you want to know? And I'll tell you that. And we'll give you, how much is it going to cost? When can I get it back? Get it on the road. And how did you have some of those types of experiences where you get back in the general population that probably doesn't know how many followers you have on Instagram, doesn't know that you're fairly well-respected amongst other well-respected people who just goes, listen, dude, I don't know what your bearded ass is trying to say, but did you have any of those moments where someone just is like, hey, what the fuck? I've, I've had those for 15 years straight. <laughs> yeah, that was that's more, more in the beginning because I was so sure I knew yeah. what I knew and, and now it became less and less as I go on. But yeah, and even now and when I'm, because you could look at look at any trainer, what they're interested in will probably be what they're giving their clients. It's yeah. just going to happen. But now when I'm interested in exploring something, I will experiment with it, with the people I have. Not make it the whole thing, but like, hey, Correct. let's try this out. I'm not explaining it. I'm just saying like making it, mixing in a little bit of vegetables with the, with the meal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And if it... I guess the biggest difference is if it helps and works and the outcome improves, I will follow it. If it doesn't, I can let it go easily. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at now. I'm still, I still want to learn. I still want to add tools, but the, it stops with, does it help the person in front of me? Yes or no. Context. It's all context. Does this application work in the context of person A, person B, person C, person D. And, and that's the thing you, you can try you can, I'll abandon a tool for a guy pretty quick or a client pretty fast. And I will still try it on another person if I understand what it's for. But the last, you you know how this is. You try to teach somebody something or go through a thing and they just don't like it because they don't, 
like the movement or they don't like the there is just no reason to go forward any further with some unpleasant shit like oh it's like dealing with children it's like i coach i coach a fair amount of like uh, a handful of like high school students and one of the things about them the most is i it's it's not 80 20 or 90 10 it is 50 percent the stuff that i think they need to do and 50 percent whatever the fuck they want to do that's going to make it fun because the yeah. thing that coaches miss over the long haul we talk client results the big picture for john and i with what we want gym owners coaches and personal trainers to do is deliver for somebody's lifetime fitness journey that's what we that's the term kind of we use for this stuff mm-hmm. and for that people need to be enthusiastic about it and they need to have fun because the, if you want to spread health fitness wellness whatever in your community for your members for your clients whatever what they need to do is be consistent over long enough duration of time not optimized optimization is for fucking confusing dorks and fucking it doesn't it's not it's not a thing that matters for you Nobody out here listening to this is performing on a level to where optimization matters for your clients. I just, I don't believe it, but getting them to do some work consistently that they enjoy because enjoying it will make, will breed the consistency over a long mm-hmm. enough timeline. And that is what's up. So for young kids, my priority is vastly shifted. Young kids. It's like, I don't get, what do you guys want to do? We get a pump. Let's let's game of let's, we got we got to make this fun, and then yeah. we will do something that I don't care whether you like it or not because you are a kid. Which, by the way, I maybe won't do with an adult, and won't be shut the fuck up and deal with this because you're you're fourteen. Fuck off. Here's what we're doing. But like, you will get it wrapped up completely in like a really freaking cool fun experience. What do you want to listen to? Let's make it loud as shit. Like let's jam. Like you need to make the vibe. I think for people, something that you need to light a fire where fitness can take space in their lives. Yeah, and so many coaches fuck that up by just making it about shit that they already don't care about. You're like, do you know how far you have to pull them along then? If we're just dragging expertise in front of them and wisdom, Ugh. Mm-hmm. Like, can you make some of these people? Is like you can tell a lot of coaches and personal trainers, especially in the CrossFit space, because a lot of high performing CrossFit athletes and people um, were never any fucking good at team sports ever, and you can really tell because they're just not dudes about things you know what i mean it's just like where the fuck did you ever have fun in a room with people like this is you can tell they're just the least interesting human beings in the goddamn world and it's a wonder why they just dork their way through coaching instead of like can you have fun in the weight room like i and i I like to use the term weight room especially when i'm talking to kids and younger people because i want you to learn like a weight room vibe and it's everybody's weight room vibes different but like you ever hear the old like it's like Jocko shit where it was like he'd he'd go to like at the Navy SEALs camp, they'd go and they they had like three Metallica albums in the disc changer, and someone went in and just tack welded a rod right in front of it so it just wouldn't come off. So every time these guys trained forever, they got to choose between one of three Metallica albums. There's something to be said depending on your coaching culture for just like, can we get some tunes and can we like rip and have some fun? Like I want to yell. I want to fucking laugh in the gym. I'll throw some shit around like that's It's fun. And, and for it's different stuff for every client. But I think that like making sure, like you mentioned an experience that they're having is an experience that they want to have because then they'll keep coming back. They'll keep paying for it. They keep delivering. And that's how you're going to get somebody healthy over the long term. You're not going to ride them harder or optimize their fucking training better in eight weeks or 12 weeks. It's like, if you have fun and you're getting results and we cover the basis, man, we're going to light a fire that's going to burn for a long time. 
Yeah, I think if you maybe can optimize for experience, that would be the thing to go for. Because then you get the buy-in. Then they come back. Like you can't help someone if they don't show up. Yeah. So if you want consistency, adherence is number one in someone's program. And then yeah, if they if they're in a good environment where they're all in, they're trusting, they like you, they want to be there. It makes all the other stuff you want to do so much easier. Yeah. Yeah, I fully agree. So you've taken, I, I think your idea, and I think this of of staying back, not staying back, staying in your pocket where you're where you mm-hmm. want to be. Also, like you, you, you're, you are training people, you're a personal trainer, but you are also simultaneously building a following online so that you can do other things to supplement your income. But you can absolutely live and feed yourself off of personal training. And I think that that's very important for people to understand is that being a gym owner is not leveled up beyond being a personal trainer. And when I opened my gym, I was barely coaching anybody beforehand. And in hindsight, what I would have much rather done, by the way, I would have made so much more money if I had six clients mm-hmm. as a personal trainer <laughs> than, than when I had 150 clients in my gym. Mm-hmm. Hands down, I took, I take home I take home more money now than I did as gym owner. I've got seven clients, eight clients. Like, fucking so much easier, so much easier for. And I think a lot of good coaches get caught up in this race. They want to. They're just going to level up. Or very often, it's a status thing. I want to be just a personal trainer. It's like motherfucker. There's right. so few where I'm at where people are real like grown up professional personal trainers that are really about it. Like that actually care. There's frankly almost none. I'm sure there's mm. more. I'm sure there's more where you're at, DJ. But oh, they're all here. They're all here. <laughs> they're <laughs> all here. All of them. All of them. It, are it's here. very. It's a very saturated market. Yeah. yeah. But in that, you mentioned something about this, like because opening a gym comes with you have to do so much more business. You're a fucking personal trainer. The money goes right to you. If there's ever a process I like the most, it's money going to me and not with a bunch of bullshit in between me and it, by the way, because it's just so much easier to figure out, to manage, to price. I think it's more valuable for every person um, along the way. And it gives you a lot of flexibility in your time because I wasn't pulling hour for hour out of the business when I owned a gym like I do now. It just didn't make any sense. Um, But at this point here, when you're settled into this spot, where am I getting at here? You can go. Th- you can go through this whole thing, where it, it's you, it's your clients. You're building a brand, and it's yours. And there's just not all of the other bullshit in the way. How do you adjust? Say your income. You want to make more money, and you know you get to a point where like, shit, I am as busy as I can be. What 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 does sit for you as opportunities to level up your income? Yeah. So I'm, I mean, I'm pretty tapped out with in person training at the moment yeah. so you know all it was private I, i'm messing around with semi-private kind of group yeah. which i don't mm-hmm. enjoy as much but that's a thing but i'm concentrating primarily on the the online yeah. uh, space which is like that's room i have to grow yeah um yeah so so i'm trying to diversify in that sense but yeah i i do the personal training is the it's what i love and for me, it's always going to be the bread and butter Yeah, because it helps with everything else. We should talk about semi-private stuff real quick um, because your struggles, I think, are similar to a lot of people. that get into, if People that thrive in the one-on-one start to feel like – will you describe like maybe why you've 
or you're a little sour on it or, or, or just with some growing pains with that? Yeah. Why? Um, yeah. Cause I'm, I can't offer the same service and the same quality I do one-on-one. So I'm making more money for my time, but I feel like I'm having to sacrifice the, the, what I was previously offering. Yeah. I mean, so, so it's a trade-off. Yeah. You know, in the but end. it's cheaper for each individual, right? So it's it, there is an understanding mm-hmm. in this where it's like this is cheaper because inherently it is less mm-hmm. valuable, right? Right. For them. Um, one of the things this is like the biggest um, when we work with a lot of gym owners that have that run into this issue when they start launching semi-private coaching. A lot of it depends on the coach. The other thing is it really depends on the group. Yep. And and Ooh. doing semi-private as as a scattered way of bringing in different, I'm not saying this is how you're doing it. I'm just written here. Um, as a way of just bringing in different personal training people in together on the same hour is tricky, but it is yeah. a fucking awesome way to bring in a group of people who want to train together. The I assemble, alpha. I assemble a team yeah, the alpha. to do people. And it's like, Hey, sometimes you'll have people that I'll tra- I'll coach one person. And when they maybe can't afford it to continue or it just goes on, they're like, Oh fuck. Maybe I want to go back to two times a week instead of three or whatever. They can bring in a friend, they pay fucking less money, essentially, get the same amount of stuff, and it's more fun. So it's like, I like doing it with crews of people that kind of know each other. And my wife, that's been her, her probably single most profitable group. It's like four to a rotating, it's like four to six ladies, three to six, but it's a group of six. Not all can make it all the time, but they just come in and they're, they're friends and colleagues and some of them are related. And so it's just like, it's like a, it truly is like a private class as opposed to, and, and in that, that's where you can really go back to, like we've described, like crafting, optimizing for a fun experience. When everybody's there to have fun with the group, God yes. does that rule. But I struggle. Same thing with, that you described. When I got people that are all in different pages, you're like, fuck, does this suck for everybody? It sucks for me. Yeah. Um, and there's such a learning curve to that. Um, and I think coaches that coach with a pretty high connection standards, like if you're, there's coaches that do very well being distant with people when they are coaching them, which I think is okay. They'll come and say, Hey, get to this. You kind of give them their space to work. There's other coaches that are more high contact, which is you're intervening more frequently in sets, reps, things like this, just more feedback. I tend to be that as a, uh, what's the word habitual over communicator. Um, but in doing that, um, a person who's a very disconnected coach and can do a good job with saying less, um, is actually pretty good about bringing in people from different types, like just kind of three different personal training clients can come in onto this semi-private hour and they do a pretty good job because they're all like kind of getting sent everywhere and they're used to it. And that person's vibe is yeah. that if you're a constant connection guy, you're you're going to feel it and then they're going to feel it. And so that's um, that's at least our experience. We've implemented semi-private training with a lot of different gyms mm-hmm. and some of them we, we always move slow because it it hinges on skill level and learning curve of the coach to that type of training and it won't be for everybody but um it's my favorite type of groups like i got i got a group in an office that i coach it's like two to three dudes that work together and they just fucking disconnect from work and just talk shit for an hour and just dunk on each other and like it's fucking awesome so um that's how i would semi-private sours on you but also you don't want to trade this is the tough thing gyms and coaches that want to optimize for money they go all right we're all full on -on one-on-one Yep. Let's start moving some semi-privates. Let's start moving some semi-privates. 
I use semi-private as a downsell for people that want to stop. I can't afford to continue. I say, how about we pull another person in? Do you have any ideas? That's kind of like an option for them out the door, which then kind of levels up that hour for me. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if I try to box, you try to, we've tried to box some gyms. Like, okay, this is now a semi-private hour. If the coach ain't equipped for it, shit, that's rough. That's rough. But I think you're a high effort, high energy, fairly well connected coach, right? Well, I mean, I put my I put my hands on people yes, the exactly. whole time. So yeah. that's and and then I have to step back during semi private. But I think you nailed it. The social element, I think, is what the, one of the biggest values of that is because you get a crew together who has a friendship and they enjoy yeah. seeing each other, and that you know helps retention. It's like I want to see my friends. I can't get that at another place and and not only that it's you're not running a full a true group fitness class you kind of are but they're paying way more money (laughs) so it's like it's just a way nice profitable hour and you can put in a little extra planning leg work for them and and like yeah it's nice you can it also gives you more room to gamify things it's weird to try to you don't get any competition even playful competition when you're uh just one-on-one with somebody you know so it's it's kind of nice to like pit some fools against each other and and that's kind of fun. The days get long. You got a lot of hours. You coach a lot of hours. You got to shake it up. Sometimes you got to you got to turn it into Fight Club or whatever. You know. Yeah. <laughs> now, DJ, did you were you always so um, were you always so confident in what you wanted to do? Is saying, hey, I, I do want to just be a personal trainer. This is where I want to stay. I want to stay right in this pocket. Um, early on in as you became a coach and as you looked at the landscape, did you? have that sirens call that drew you towards gym ownership and then something stopped you opposed to just staying kind of where you are. Were you always as confident? This is what I want to do. And this is where you stayed. Yeah, I don't, I never had the, the desire to open a gym, but I worked at so many gyms that went out of business. So I knew the owners and I saw the stress I saw essentially people who enjoyed working out thinking it's a good idea to open up a gym because they enjoyed working out themselves. Mm-hmm. And by the way, know, that's passion. That's that's what's tricky, right? Because that that is I am going to pursue my passion. I want to make my passion my profession. And that's novel. It's or it's noble. It's a thing that we kind of advocate for, except you can't be fucking delusional about what those things are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you don't you might probably get to work out less. You, oh yeah. You know, yeah and for sure i see it i like right now i see personal training and gym ownership as two completely different businesses yeah it's mm-hmm. like as different as a, someone who's a painter wanting to get into manufacturing paint like mm-hmm. you're you're doing you're doing a different business you're not going to do yeah. the same thing that you probably enjoy so and i i think i'm not saying it's good or bad i just i'm kind of I, that's not something I desire. I think though this is that's the trap that so many people fall into because you're you're all of us out there, whether you're a gym owner, personal trainer, or whatever it is, your career is your career. Whether you're working for somebody in a gym, whether you're gonna go kind of rent some time at some other spot, whether you open your own gym, your career, whether it's as a coach or whatever, it, it's yours and we have the responsibility for it that pull to level up is just for those of us that are like a little ambitious. We just kind of lean into the next thing instead of doing better at the thing that we're doing now or being more effective. Exactly. One of the things that I, I've seen a lot of good, passionate coaches open gyms 
and just eat shit. Just just eat shit. And it guts them and then they get fat and they kind of sour on the industry. And they really don't like customers and clients and the whole process. They just kind of and it's they it just it breaks them. It breaks the thing that they were passionate about. It takes it right out of them. And you mentioned something we talked the other day, like what percentage of people that opened up boutique gyms in your neighborhood, what percentage of those are still open today? Oh, I wish I it's nearly zero over. <laughs> it, right? I want to say for sure before pandemic, 75% went out of business in two to three years. Yeah. Like if you made it past that, it was impressive. Oh, after the pandemic, I really don't see many lasting. Yeah. yeah. And I think that for those of you out there that are coaches, no, you can make a lot of fucking money as a coach. My my wife makes more money as a full-time personal trainer it's than true. I ever did owning a gym, by the way, than I ever probably could have with the structure mm -hmm. that my business had. And like probably made more than she might make more than I made as a, like a, real technician working for somebody else at a big boy job too. So you can really like, if it's about like helping people and being in charge of your own time and not getting pulled all these other directions, it happens when you own a larger structure. I, I, so many good coaches would be better served if they just got better at coach at, at the, the job of being a coach, not just yeah. coaching. And that becomes marketing yourself. It becomes delivering client experience. It becomes treating your your coaching business, your one-to-one, -one, your private personal training business, as though it really is a uh, is a gym. There's still issues that you need to. There's lead acquisition. There's data. There's there's scheduling. There's collecting. There's there's all that stuff. There's sales. There's all that stuff exists when you're a personal trainer. The amount of personal trainers that never get any good at that and then open a gym and then wonder why they can't get clients blows my fucking mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That so when I I started off at a Globo gym and didn't have to do any sales because I was terrified and horrible, like horrible. <laughs> I had no experience. They didn't, they didn't teach me that. Of course not. Uh, it took a lot of uh, self-development uh, and growth to learn that skill on my own and, you know, develop that over time. But that was something I didn't think of like, oh, yeah, I like, I like personal training. And then when I kind of went independent, I like, oh, there's a sales aspect, there's Shit. a marketing aspect. So yeah. that was something I didn't enjoy. Now I kind of enjoy that part that I've What was some of your big aha? Do you have like a story or a big aha moment when it comes to like, do you have like a first big sale or something like this where you go, oh, this wasn't so bad? Did you, did you, was there a moment where it turned around for you a little bit? It, something that stands out is there was a moment where I was – um doing better, you know, filling up my schedule. And I didn't feel the need or the desperation to get people. And I started telling people, you know, I, I don't think we'd be a good fit or I could refer you out to someone else. And these people wanted to train with me more than ever after that. <laughs> and I think yeah. it was just the, yeah. I was no longer pushy or, you know, yeah. I was just kind desperate. of desperate. Yeah. And that, and that was something I, I, I don't know if I could have learned that. I, I, confidence earlier but yeah. it it helped me learn um yeah, yeah learning styles and how i present myself and, and selling where yeah if you just don't put too much pressure on the other person or yourself and you're like this is what i have if it's a good fit great if not i still want you know 
you to find what you're looking for, yeah. then yeah, that usually works out better. And I think, I also think that as personal trainer, as your own person, I think that's the best time and opportunity to actually work on a sales process in fitness, whether that mm-hmm. if you're going to then go on to having a gym, you got this covered now, right? You'd know yeah. this. Like if you, if you needed to, that skill has been developed within you, DJ. And I think that that's really important. If you just went, I'm coaching now, shit, I'm not making enough money, personal training, or let me just, well, if I had a hundred clients instead of 10, I just have a gym. I just, let's just get a gym. And then you realize you suck at selling, you hate it. Then the whole, this is the fitness story for people that don't treat fitness, a gym, like an actual business. When Megan first started, she had never hardly coached before. Mm-hmm. So her first two clients, we built full offer stacks where it was just like, We've just built packages for her so she didn't have to go in and go, um, it's this much per session. You know, you just, we give some crutches, right? And this is the stuff that we always sell, which is we give people a choice, right? Top options, most expensive option. It's 12-week commitment, these sessions, nutrition coaching. We'll do some, you know, I'll check in with you on your food every day. We'll, you'll log in your shit with the app. We'll do the food or the regular training sessions, and we'll do body scan measurements every couple weeks or whatever, right? This is the whole commitment up front. We have these other options that'll whatever, right? So it's just kind of some basic tiered options. Fortunately, she had never sold any other way before. Yeah, she didn't so know. So she went in and she just sat down and said, she was like her very first sale. And we collect at the time. P- people can pay month. There's monthly options, but the, someone picked the top option right fucking away. Yeah. So the first person she ever sat down with, she came home with a check for like $2,600. Yeah. <laughs> for, by the way, this is three hours a week. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This is like nothing. And you're like, oh, shit. And so all of a sudden that confidence is, is, and I think it's really important for people to treat those skills are as important as the things that you're trying to do in the gym because that sets the tone, it sets the expectation, and it really allows the client to be in charge of their own journey. If they don't ever get a choice or they don't ever, if they just feel like they're coerced into a thing, right? The upsell we fucking hate the most. If they feel coerced into that, their commitment is tenuous at best. You know, it's, it's really tough for them to hang on to that commitment when they feel nudged into it. Cause they got to recommit to you guys every day. They got to recommit when they go home, they leave the gym to not stop at the fucking buffet on the way home. This is some South, you, I don't know, you ever had pizza ranch? These people are going to all you can eat pizza. And so there's just a type of thing where like you need these people to commit every time they drive past McDonald's, they got to be committed. So if we nudge them up, it doesn't work. But if they make that choice and they invest, it makes them more successful. And for to wrap the whole thing up, that makes the client's results still the centerpiece of that sales process. It's not there because it makes us the most money. It's there because they better be fucking bought in and they know what they got. And if they didn't want that, they could choose something else that we have, or they could not, they could go anywhere else, but giving them some semblance of choice that's based on their results and their, and their habits and their needs and their budget, man, it's just treating those skills as though they are your coaching skills because they're not unrelated. Man, does that just, it really changes the game for a personal trainer and for a gym. And that's the concept we want for, uh, we, we like to use you know, like DJ's story, these other people's stories and situations to drive some of these concepts home. And I think in your case, it's like, make it about the client, make it not about yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, make it about their results, make it about their outcomes, make it not about your wisdom, make it about what they want to do today. They want to have fun today. And I think that, I think that you do such a great job of it. And I think it's, it's, it's really commendable. And I like seeing somebody that's not 
chasing ambition for ambition's sake because when we level up as a gym owner we jump or as a from a trainer to owning a gym too fast it's usually because we just want the status of moving up you know what i mean it's, it's mm-hmm. so i don't have to say i'm just a personal trainer but now when i say i'm a personal trainer and i go i fucking work 11 hours a week fuck off dude what do you do mm-hmm. all week that's so hard you know go to hell it's a dope job it rules and it pays really good so I think it's a, I think, I think it's a, it's a awesome profession. I think that more good coaches should consider that as the system that they live in and really develop and, and develop their influence in. Yeah. The capital B business, right? Capital B business, even at the, whether you're a coach to a personal trainer and just like you've seen DJ where it's like, listen, I, I was, I was at a Globo gym. I made a jump to being independent and then running my shit like a bit like like a business, like a professional, I don't need that is leveling it up, like leveling up from where I was as a personal trainer, quote unquote, at somewhere that fed me to then being able to run my own shit as an independent to where now I can feed myself and treating that as a professional. There is no level higher for me. Like yeah. this is exactly where I'm, I'm meant to be. And where I want to stay, and then I can develop out of that one range to where there's no aspiration to do more. And while we call it the Gym Owners Podcast, I think this is the biggest piece for, for Tyler and I. It's it's being a professional, right? It's capital B business, no matter what you do. That so you said it, Tyler, but that developing that part of the business and and sales, I think comes down to maybe like interpersonal uh relationships and communication right the uh, yeah. communication that was the biggest thing that helped me as a trainer in the gym with a client as well i what you're saying you know the people who aren't dudes you know these people trainers yeah. who come in <laughs> yeah. and i and, and i can relate i think a lot of people who become trainers are autistic guys who like fitness yeah right and then you have this social element come in which i had zero of that coming yeah. in talking to another person didn't have that but i was really like i know about working out i'm, mm-hmm. I'm good at that and i thought that would get me on but then i would see a lady at the gym who you know wasn't the the most it was basic workouts or whatever they were doing but they were connecting with people on and a they were busy level. they were likable so many people want to work they were the doing the best and i used yes. to get upset about that but then I realized, no, like as a professional, that's a skill yeah. that's functional. And she's helping people. People want to come back. They want to work out with her. They're consistent. Yeah. So that, you know, I had to learn about those skills, which in the end, I think have made me more effective of helping people. Do you feel like it got you out of your own way too? Once you're in the once you come to those terms, once once you have that thing, you're like, this chick's just just some jazzercise bullshit in this fucking gym for seventy five bucks an hour. What the fuck? And you're like, wow, why are these people so happy? And you're mad because you tried I tried so hard to get good and know the best way. And we said optimization is the dumbest thing in the world for you to worry about. And and instead, yeah, you sit there and you look at this and you go, oh fuck. I just need that. If I if you just do that with the skills that I have in there, like you can have your cake, you can eat it too. And uh, yeah, so I think that's that's awesome. DJ, thanks a ton for coming in. Uh, we really appreciate you. Follow DJ at Strong Camps on Instagram. He's got some online coaching and some just 
What else we got with group? Go to his link tree that's on his Instagram at Strong Camps on Instagram. We won't fucking convolute the whole thing there, but go there. Go if if you listen to this and you like DJ, he's a hella likable guy. Go to Strong Camps Instagram. Check out his link tree. You owe it to us for that. You owe us that. So thanks a lot for listening, everybody. Follow us at the Gym Owners Podcast on Instagram. Follow John at JBanksFL. Follow me at Tyler F. And Stone. That's Tyler EFF. I and Stone. Go to gymownersrevolution.com. Also, the link in the description here will get you to the Facebook group, Gym Owners Revolution. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week.